Thank you for joining us for today's Practical Living broadcast, and I pray that through this message that you will learn how to apply God's Word and truths to any situation in your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Last weekend entitled Help is Here, and I want to talk to you this weekend about what it means to be lost and what it means to be found, lost and found. And we're talking about the idea that this Christmas season really is the time when Jesus came to earth for the purpose of help, helping us. And as I mentioned last weekend, there's nothing better than having someone to help you when you're going through a difficult time or challenging moment in your life, and someone steps in and they're there to assist you, to be a support to you, to be an encouragement to you. And this help that Jesus came to bring us was announced, as we talked in great detail about last weekend, to the shepherds there in the fields near Bethlehem, and how it was announced that the Savior was born. It was good news for all the people, and we described the importance of that good news, that help was here. And there's this moment, the shepherds now are going forward to see the Christ child, and then to proclaim this good news message that Christ had been born. I want to talk today about an element of this help that Jesus came to bring us in a particular way, a particular aspect of things that I think will be meaningful for us this weekend. Now, there are three things we'll look at for these next few moments together. The first thing I want to talk to you about is the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth, and here's the key word, on a mission. This is what we need to understand, that when He came from heaven to earth, the Father sent Jesus the Son to earth on a mission with a purpose. It was not just sort of a random act of divine action that occurred. No, it was a purpose and a mission that Jesus was given. And by the way, missions are important because mission gives you focus. It gives you direction. And so Christ came into our world with this incredible mission. Notice what he says about it in John chapter 7 where he gives us these words. While Jesus was teaching in the temple, he called out, yes, you know me and you know where I I come from, but I'm not here on my own. The one who sent me is true and you don't know him. He's talking to the Pharisees there. But I know him because I come from him. And notice this, he sent me to you. So it's a divine mission. So when you think of Christmas, it's important to think of Christmas as the fulfillment or the beginning of a process of a fulfillment of a divine, very precious mission. And Jesus describes this mission extremely succinctly in Luke chapter 19. I want you to read this together with me. Luke chapter 19, verse number 10. Let's read it together. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so here is the mission. What is the mission? To seek and to save the lost. And it's described here as the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's break this verse apart just for a moment. Let's see if we can't understand it, because this is what really Christmas is all about. Jesus, first of all, identifies himself as the Son of Man. Now, we often think of Jesus as the Son of God, but as surely as He he was the Son of God, He also was the Son of Man. Why? Because He was fully God and fully man. He's God in flesh. This is what we call the incarnation. So every time you hear the word incarnate or incarnation, it simply means God putting on flesh, the Son of God coming into our world and putting on flesh. Now, why is this important that He identifies Himself as the Son of Man? That means this. It means that He can identify with everything that goes on in your life. He's not just God, but he's the son of man. And being the son of man, there's not a single thing that you will ever go through that Jesus has not gone through already and experienced. As a human, he was fully human, fully God, yes, but also fully human. The writer of Hebrews describes this for us in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. This high priest of ours, obviously Jesus, understands our weaknesses. Isn't that great to know? 
for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So this describes for us the fact that God came into our world to identify with you and me, to identify with us as the Son of Man. He knows everything that you will ever go through or face in your life. He's been through it, although he's never sinned. He didn't fail, didn't miss the mark at all in his relationship with God, but he knows the stuff that we go through. This is powerful. Now, there's a Another word that's used here that we read a moment ago, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. I want you to say the word came with me. That word is a little bit confusing a bit because it it gives the idea that Jesus just sort of showed up in history at a particular time, but actually that's not really true. He did show up in history, but he showed up as the pre-existent Son of God. He didn't come into being. He arrived on the scene. So the Greek word that's used here for the Son of Man came is the actual Greek word that means to arrive on the scene, to appear. And so it's important to realize that Jesus did not come into being when he was born in Bethlehem. He has existed for all eternity. See, there's a difference between coming into being and arriving, right? So Jesus arrived on the scene. Look at what we find here in John chapter 1. All of these are very important things to understand in Christmas. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. He has always been alive and is, is, is himself God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. So we see the Son of Man, which means he identifies fully with everything you'll ever go through in your life. Anything you'll ever face, he understands it. So there's not a single thing you can go through that he doesn't get, okay? And he came, he arrived on the scene. He didn't come into being. He arrived on the scene in human form, and he came with a mission. And again, what was that mission? To seek and to save the lost. Let's talk about that word lost just for a moment. I want us to understand this. This is the mission of Christmas. The word lost in the Greek language is a word that means to be wasted, to waste your purpose is the idea of the meaning of the word, that you're not experiencing all that you were created to experience is the concept that's found there. It's bewildered is another term that's used or defined for the word lost. You just, you can't figure things out in the way that you need to figure them out. And sometimes that word lost is used to describe something that is perishing. It's, 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 it's sort of going bad, if you will. Many times you think about perishable food items, and uh, if, you, if, you're, uh, if the electricity goes off at your house for an extended period of time, you've got to be careful with what you've left in the refrigerator because, of course, it's going to potentially perish. It's going to go bad on you. And so here we see that the Son of Man, Jesus, understands everything that you and I will ever go through in our lives. And he came into, and he arrived on the scene here with a mission, with a purpose. And what was that purpose? To seek and to save anybody that's perishing, to seek and to save anybody that is ruined, anybody that is bewildered, anybody that is helpless, anyone that is finding himself in the place of being diminished in their purpose, diminished in their capability. So we see this very clearly. So I want to give you some examples of Jesus showing up on the scene to help people. These are going to be on the screen for you. John chapter 1. Let me read verses 45 through 49 for you. Take a look at the screens. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we found the man that Jesus wrote about in the law. The prophets wrote about him too. He is Jesus, the son of Joseph. He's from Nazareth. But Nathanael said to Philip, Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Philip answered, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said, this man coming is a true Israelite, one you can trust. Nathanael asked, how do you know me? See, he'd never met Jesus before. And so Jesus is calling him by name. How do you know me? And notice what Jesus says here. Jesus answered, I saw you when you were under the fig tree before Philip told you about me. And then Nathanael said, teacher, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now, why do I give you that passage? Because I want you to see, here's an example of Jesus finding someone that would have missed out on their purpose in life, but he finds Nathanael, he sees him and knows his name before Nathanael even knows Jesus. He identified everything about him and his character and who he was and brought him into his purpose. And Nathanael becomes one of the disciples of Jesus. He's known throughout the gospel accounts as Bartholomew. He's that's the same name, Nathanael or Bartholomew. So you need to see that here was a moment where Jesus found somebody that was lost and he brought him into his purpose. Isn't that a great story? Okay, Let's take a look at another story. John chapter 4, beginning in verse number 3. He, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee. So Judea is the southern part of Israel. And he's leaving there, going up to the northern part of Israel, Galilee. And the Bible says, but he needed to go through Samaria. Interesting to say that, but it says he needed to go through Samaria. Jews normally would not even travel through through Samaria. They would normally skirt it because they felt Samaritans were unclean. But this, the Scripture says he needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Because he's on a mission. He's on a mission. Okay. Just like he was on a mission with Nathaniel, he found him and brought him into one of his 12 apostles, and now he's on a mission. He's going into Samaria to find this particular person, as we're going to see. So he came to a city of Samaria, uh, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. So he goes to a particular place there, and we see in the story, obviously, as you go and read, I'm not going to read all this for you, but he sits down by the well, and as he's sitting down by the well, notice verse number seven, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And so here we see the story. Jesus said, I got to go through there. Everybody else skirts Samaria. I'm going through Samaria. I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission. There's somebody there that I need to find. And he goes and sits down by a particular well because he knew being the wise and the, uh, for, the, for his foreknowledge, the foreknowledge of God, he knew that the woman was going to show up there who needed a relationship with him. And so Jesus starts the conversation with this woman by saying, give me a drink. Now, of course, the lady talks about, uh, she goes into all this dialogue with Jesus. There's a long process of things that uh, they talk about. You can go read the whole passage, but notice verses 13 and 14. Uh, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And so Jesus has this interaction with her. He asks her about her relationships. You might remember that story. He said, go bring your husband to me. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, hey, you're right. You've had five husbands, and the one you're living with now is not even your husband. So Jesus knew everything about her, but it didn't stop him from finding her. Are you hearing me? Okay. He knew everything about her, but it didn't stop him from find, loving her and finding her. This is the beautiful part of the story. Nathaniel was a good guy. Jesus found him. 
And here is a bad lady, we might say, a lady who's broken a lot of the laws of life. She's gone through multiple marriages, trying to find love and find relationships with Jesus. Said, I know what you're really looking for. You've been trying to find this in relationships. You're, you're, you're drinking from a well that's not satisfying you, and I want you to drink from a different kind of well. And I'm the water that will give you life. And of course, we can read the story and find that she indeed accepts Jesus as Messiah and goes back into her town and tells everybody, come see the man who told me everything I ever did. And the whole city comes out and they all turn to a relationship with God. Now, note, here's what I want you to see. Jesus came to earth on a mission. Christmas is about a mission. It's about God saying there's a mission here. I came to seek and save lost people. People like Nathaniel, they would have never found their purpose in life. People like the woman at the well, they would have never found her purpose and real love in her life. Let's take a look at another story. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So again, we see Jesus, he's on one side of the lake, and he says, we need to go to the other side of the lake. Why was Jesus going to the other side of the lake? Because there was somebody over there who needed him. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me tonight? Okay. I want you to see this is Christmas. Okay. So, well, it's not a part of the Christmas story. Yes, it is. Okay. This is the Christmas story. He came to seek and save those who were lost. And so he says, we got to go to the other side of the lake. And so they go to the other side of the lake. The Bible says in verses 1 through 5 of Mark chapter 5, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. So they get to the other side. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came from a cemetery to meet him. The man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. And so Jesus goes and he finds the person that he's looking for. There's a guy there who's possessed by demons, by a legion of demons, as he finds him there, and he rebukes the demons, and notice what happens in verse 15. Uh, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And so ultimately, you see that Nathaniel finds Jesus, finds his purpose, becomes a disciple. The woman at the well, Jesus finds her, and in that moment, she discovers real love in her life. And here we see in this story that a demonized man, a man who had thousands of demons living inside of him, Jesus goes to the other side of the lake. Why? Because the Son of Man came to seek and to save those who are lost. This is mission, to find and to help lost people. That's just my first point. Here's the second point. This is what you and I need to grasp. Lostness is a common condition. What do lost people need? To be found, right? Not complex. They need to be found and directed to the right place. That's what a lost person needs. I want to give you a very important statement to remember here today. Every one of us are lost. We're all lost. Now, this is a little bit difficult of a concept for us nowadays. It used to be when it came to directions and things of that nature that it was easy to get lost when you were using the old paper maps. Anybody remember the days of the paper maps, okay? If your marriage survived those days, you need to thank God for it, okay? Because those were interesting days, okay? Because you're trying to read the map and get somewhere, and I don't know how many times my wife and I were lost in cities and various places, but we don't, we don't think much about that right now because all of us have the GPS and we never feel lost, okay, in the natural world. We don't feel it anymore. 
because all you need to do is put in your little GPS, and I'm not lost, I know where I'm at, okay? But when it comes to the spiritual dimension of life, it's important to remember without God, we're all lost. This is important to grasp. We, might, we may not know it, but the reality is we're lost. Without God's active presence in your life, without His active guidance in your life, you and I are operating blindly. We're basing our life decisions on our best knowledge, our own best knowledge, which is limited. And so the Bible is very clear about a false assurance that we get if we're not careful thinking that we've got our lives together. Notice Proverbs here. It says, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. There's a road you can get on in life or roads you can get on in life that you think you know where you're going. You think you know, you know where you're going, to, you're going to end up. You think you know what the destination is going to be, a way that appears to be right, but it appears to be right to you or to me, but in the end, it's actually wrong. Why? Because we, we have this limited capacity, limited ability, and what we tend to do is we tend to make decisions in our life This is where it gets really close to all of us at home today. We tend to make decisions in our life on the basis of what's good for our existence here on earth. Where can I find pleasure and comfort and make my life enjoyable while I'm here? And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But there's something very wrong with it when that's all you have in your life. If you're living for this life alone with no real thought about the life that is to come then you and I end up being lost. You can be a Christian but still be living life for yourself. Are you hearing me? You can be a believer in Christ, but you can still be lost, having lost your way. Okay? You're still living for this life and this life only, and you never think much about eternity and, and making investments for eternity with your life. And so you end up, we end up oftentimes making our life decisions as though this life is, is all there is. And what that means is we're headed toward the wrong destination. There's a way that appears to be right, but it's going to end in something less than what we really wanted for our life. And any time that we've defined the wrong destination of a journey, If you've defined the wrong destination, no matter where you are on the journey, no matter how well the journey may be going, you're still technically lost. If you've headed toward the wrong destination, you might think it's right, but if it's the wrong destination, technically, no matter where you are on that journey, you're still lost. Now, Jesus spoke of a man who had this problem in his life. I'm going to take you to Luke chapter 12, and we'll look at verse number 16 through verse 21. This is going to be on the screens for you also. And he, Jesus, told in this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? So what is he doing? He's thinking to, to who? To himself. You got that? He's processing things for himself. He's trying to figure it out on his own. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. So he's got this bountiful harvest, and he starts thinking, what do I need to do with all this? I'm trying to come up with some ideas. I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my, supl- my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, notice all the himself, myself. You're hearing that there? Okay. Are these on the screen? Yep, they're up there. Okay. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Read that next sentence with me. Take 
life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So here he is. Things have been going really well for him. He's thought to himself, well, what do I need to do? I've got this massive harvest. I think I'll build bigger barns and just store up a whole bunch more and, and, and just, you know, this is, I, I'm really set. Everything's going to be great with my life. Notice verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. All I want you to see in this particular passage and these, this what I'm sharing with you in this point is to understand that if we're not careful, we can still live a lost life. We can live a life that is not purposefully directed by God. Lives that are chosen just by what we think and what we reason and what we want to do and we think it's the right way but it ends in a bad place because actually we haven't gotten the guidance or the direction of God in our lives. It's a common problem for every one of us. All of us find ourselves in these situations. Here's my last point today. There's a cure for lostness. What's the cure for lostness? To be found. That's secure, okay? To find the right way to live. And let's go back and think about the examples I gave you just a few moments ago. Remember Nathaniel? We read about him. Jesus found Nathaniel, and Nathaniel found Jesus, and suddenly Nathaniel discovered his purpose in life. He'd been living life without purpose, and he discovered the purpose and became one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles. How about again, we talked about it a moment ago, the woman at the well. She was looking for love in all the wrong places. She was trying to find somebody to fill the need in her life. And she'd gone through relationship after relationship after relationship, thinking that that was the answer. She was lost. She was looking. She was heading the wrong way. And then Jesus found her. And when Jesus found her, she found him and discovered the beautiful water of life that satisfied her and not only affected her life, but the entire city in which she lived. The man possessed by a demon, Jesus said, I'm going to find you. And when I find you, you'll be in your right mind and delivered from all that's oppressed your life. When Jesus finds you and you find Jesus, you're no longer lost. When Jesus finds you and you find Jesus, you're no longer lost. You're found. Amen? And when you're found, and when you're living in your foundness, that's a great place to live. Look at these verses as we conclude today. In him, when you're in him, there was life. And that life was the light of all people. I will tell you something, and I'm learning this as I go through my Christian faith. I continue to be reminded of this in my own life, that even when things seem dark, when you're with Jesus, you can be sure there's still light there. Amen? Even in the darkest moments of your life, okay? even when it doesn't seem like, where is God in all of this? I can't see him right now. I don't, I don't know where he is. And, but I'm going to trust him anyway. I'm going to have confidence in him anyway. I'm going to put my faith in him anyway. You can always be assured of the fact that no matter how dark it might seem, you can know that light will break forth for you. John 10, verse 10. Many of you know this one very well. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that a beautiful passage? I've come so you may have life and have it to the full. Here's one last verse for us today. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Can I talk about this just for a moment? You gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Losing your soul certainly implies and speaks of the fact of losing your soul for eternal damnation and missing God and in your life and spending eternity separated from God. Obviously, it relates to that. But, you know, you can lose your soul in lots of different ways, right? You can be a believer, but you've lost your soul because you've been pursuing the wrong things with your life. And that's why Jesus asked the question, is anything worth more than your soul? Nothing worth more than your soul. So Christmas, what is it? Christmas is about help arriving, help for our lostness. Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus is far more than a nice map for your life. He's not a nice map. He is the map. Okay. Are you hearing me? He's not a guide. He is the guide. He is not a way. He is the way to the best life and to the best eternity that you and I can experience. And whenever you find him and whenever he finds you, the direction of your life always changes for the better. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. I'm thankful for Christmas. How about you? Amen. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Father, as we've taken this time this evening to study your word, to reflect upon the fact that you came on a mission, and you very clearly articulated what that mission was, to seek and save the lost. And we see time and time again through the gospel stories how you went after people. You knew everything about them. You knew the nastiness of their lives. You knew the, you knew the bondage of their lives. You, know the, you knew everything about them. But Lord, nevertheless, you went after them because you loved them. And Lord, you didn't want any to perish. You wanted them to come and be found in you and discover the purpose for which you've created them. So, Lord, I pray tonight that each one of us in this Christmas season would be reminded of the fact that you came to find us. Lord, thank you that we can look back on a time in our life when you reached down and you you touched us in our hearts. You drew us to yourself. And, Lord, even though we didn't feel worthy or we didn't feel like we knew much about you, you came to us anyway. And, nevertheless, you drew us unto yourself. And you found us, Lord, for that we're so very grateful. We give you praise for that tonight. And Lord, we pray that we would live every day in the foundness of Jesus, that instead of living life our way, living life in ways that we choose to live, that we would always live life in a way that honors you. Seal this word in our heart by the power of your Holy Spirit. And for that, we thank you in Jesus' wonderful name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me, and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray, and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God, and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, 
I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time.